Hello, and welcome to episode 7 of my Omniverse podcast. Uh, this week, uh, well, first, before I, get on, uh, before I get to this week's podcast, let me apologize for the uh, sort of brief interruption there. I decided to do something interesting. Uh, I mentioned several times that I was looking for guest voices, and I decided to be a little more proactive, so I reached out to several people in the podcasting community and asked them if they'd be willing to read my stories. You know, part of that is just me wanting to hear uh, somebody else's take. You know, one gets tired of one's own voice after a bit. Uh, I'll still be doing some readings, but, uh, you know, part of it too is just, um, (laughs) I'd say laziness, but it takes effort to edit other people's audio, which I I have had to do. But, you know, it really does get back to wanting to to share these people with you in case you're not familiar with them. So over the course of the next several months, you'll be meeting new podcasters as you hear them read my fiction. And I'm, I'm excited to be bringing them to you. So this week, I have for you Here There Be Dragons. And this particular story is in my Children of Legend universe that I am, I am working on. I am putting out a story a month, or at least writing a story a month. And uh, so you'll be seeing those go up on Amazon.com and Smashwords uh, in text form. And they will eventually be coming out in audio format here in the podcast. If you listened to X Marks the Spot... Uh, then this would be the next story in the series. So uh, if you haven't listened to X Mark the Spot, then I would recommend going back and, and doing that. Uh, if you, uh, you, you, I don't think you'll miss anything, but uh, it's, it is somewhat important to listen to these in order, and I will definitely be putting them out in the order that they appear, uh, not necessarily back-to-back, but uh, you won't get any any early... Uh, you won't get any out-of-order situations here. Um, so, uh, this week's story is read by Jen Avila. She does a fantastic job. She'll be reading all of the stories that are from the point of view of this particular character. And uh, so she'll be reading. you'll be hearing her read in the near future Knife's Edge, uh, which I'll be putting out uh, perhaps even by the time you listen to this. Um, so, yeah, uh, without further ado... Here is Jen Avila reading Here There Be Dragons. Here There Be Dragons by Scott Roche I locked up the door on Mr. Looper's PC Emporium and jumped as high as I could, snagging the gate and using my body weight to pull it down. With it locked in place, I knew it was as safe as any store in this neighborhood could be. In spite of the fact that this was a computer store, most of the stuff he carried was way old. He tinkered with his stock and fixed any electronics that customers brought in. No matter how useless or broke down the TV, radio, or remote-controlled car was, he could always coax life out of it. I pulled my black nylon jacket's collar up around my neck to try and keep warm. If I hurried, I could make the three blocks home before it got dark. This was a dragon's turf, and anyone caught out in it after dark, especially a girl my age, was like fresh meat. If we didn't need the money, I wouldn't clean Mr. Looper's store, no matter how much he paid me, and he paid me way too much. Mom thought he wanted something more than money. 
She'd never say that to my face, but I've heard her end of phone calls. She's always asking me how the old man makes me feel or if he ever touches me. I don't think she knows that at 13 I know what she's asking and it made me sick to think about it. He never did, and I don't think he even has thoughts like that. He doesn't like people much. Oh, he treated his customers and me well enough, but he loved his machines. Wynne picked at my jacket and cut through the legs of my skinny jeans. We moved to North Carolina from Jersey five years ago. I thought it was supposed to be warmer here, but the winters are still pretty cold. I broke into a jog, hoping it would warm me up. It almost had, too, until I heard the whooping and jeering from up ahead. I knew it was a group of the dragons. They weren't a real gang. Not like the Ochos or the Strangers. Mostly, they were just older teens who smoked dope and stole lunch money from younger kids. Ricardo, whose brother was an Ocho, said that they couldn't cut it in an actual brotherhood, but wanted the excuse to act tougher than they were. I didn't know about that. I'd known a few kids who got their share of bruises and cuts, and while Mr. Looper might not be interested in my girlhood, these boys might. It wasn't much further to get home, but going the long way around, I'd risk running into some tougher groups. There was no safety except to go back to the store. Mr. Looper lived above it, and I could get him to take me home, or at least I could call Dad to come and get me when he got home. I hated to bother him, but he had invited me upstairs once or twice early on for cookies. Thinking about Mom's advice, I said no, respectfully, and it never came up again. I think he knew why I said no, because he looked a little embarrassed and sad. I hurried, but the wind was in my face. It seemed to be blowing faster, making it hard to take steps. I didn't weigh much, and the spaces between buildings focused the winds. That must have been why I didn't hear the voices. I didn't know there were dragons behind me until one grabbed my arm. Not so fast, you little... The boy's voice turned into a whoosh of air as my elbow caught him in the midsection. It was a lucky blow, and I knew I'd regret it later if I let another one get their hands on me. I recovered a little more clumsily than I would have in Taekwondo class, but street fights are not the same as the ones on the mat. His friends weren't far away, and they were caught short by my reaction. I was glad, and not for the first time that night, that these weren't real gangbangers. I ran as fast as I could, finding more speed somewhere deep in me. It wasn't much further to the store. Blood thundered in my ears, but now I could hear every angry voice and cat call behind me. My feet started to hurt as they pounded the sidewalk. The store came up on my left, and I felt like an idiot once I saw that the metal grate was down. There was no way I could get that up in time and get behind the safety it offered. Without breaking stride, I ran past, cutting into the alley just beyond it. I had just enough speed and bounce to make it onto the lid of the dumpster. From there, it was a short jump to the fire escape. Miraculously, I didn't miss a step and climbed to the roof of the three-story building in a flash. My luck hadn't bought me much breathing room. The ones right behind me didn't realize I had gone up, and they went further down the alley looking for me. I had a minute, maybe two, so I looked around for the roof access. Mr. Looper often talked about his roof garden, and I knew there had to be a way to get to ground level from it. Then I realized I had gone up the wrong building. 
I'd seen action heroes make the jump from building to building, but they were trained athletes. I was just a scared little girl. At least that's how I felt. The iron bars on the fire escape started grinding against brickwork. Heavy boys, nearly grown men, were climbing up here. My eyes darted around the rooftop and I saw the access to a stairwell jutting up nearby. I rushed to it, trying not to trip over anything in the dark. I grabbed the handle and pulled, only to be rewarded with nearly pulling my shoulder muscle. My scream was a mix of rage, fear, and disappointment. It fought with the wind for sheer volume and one hand down. Shaking, I turned to see how close the dragons were. For once, something played in my favor. In going to the door side of the access, I was hidden from them. There was no other way down except the long jump, so my freedom wouldn't last long. I made myself small, but kept on the balls of my feet. With any luck, they would all come around one side as a group. They weren't very bright, so I felt it was a realistic enough hope. Chica, come on out! We won't hurt you. We just want to play a little game. The boy's voice wasn't long out of puberty and cracked once to the amusement of his friends. Yeah, another one yelled. We just want to play a little touch football. The next to the last word was emphasized, and I could nearly feel the leer. I balled my fists and relaxed them in a rhythm. I'd touch them all right. If I could draw blood on one of them, whatever happened next might be worth it. The way my stomach felt, I might even get to puke on them while I was at it. It did seem like they were all coming around to my left side. As softly and slowly as I could, I circled around to the right. In the dark, I couldn't tell if what I tripped over was a pipe or a string of cable. Whatever it was, it put me down on my side just as one of the smarter boys was sneaking around to intercept. I lay at his feet and had a moment for my predicament to register before his black chuck caught me on the side of my head. My sight dimmed as the loud thud filled my head. That brief sound was replaced by a mechanical whirring noise. It reminded me of a bee's nest I'd knocked out of a tree once, if you ran that sound through a distortion pedal. Slay interlopers. The voice was made from that same distorted bee sound. It came from somewhere far above. Whining sounds filled the air, followed by dull thuds and the girlish screaming of a few of the young toughs. That means run, you ignorant ruffians. That was how Mr. Looper always talked. If the scuffling noises were any indication, the boys must have gotten the message. I kept my eyes screwed shut, praying for the pain in my head to end. Warm wind, too strong to be called a breeze, blew grit against my face. The gravel embedded into the tar of the roof crunched under something incredibly heavy just a few feet away. Miss Prez, are you able to stand? The only person to ever call me that was Mr. Looper. A harsh light shone on me. I slid my eyes open and saw three toed feet formed from scrap metal. They looked for all the world like a robot chicken. I wouldn't find that funny until later. My apologies, Miss Perez. The light dimmed and the wind died down. I slowly got to my feet, still a little dizzy from everything that had happened. When I got the full view of what I faced, I nearly fainted. I'd never been a fan of science fiction, but even I had seen the Terminator movies. This thing looked like one of the T-800 with its skin scraped off, if they had been modeled on an owl instead of a person. The eyes were huge, and its ears were pointed. I could see wings folded against its back and huge turbines sticking up over its shoulders. The light came from a chest-mounted lens the size of a hubcap. 
I didn't realize I was backing up until the heels of my shoes touched the roof access. Mr. Looper? The construction lowered itself so that its eyes, which looked for all the world like headlights, were even with mine. Yes, my dear. Or at least an extension of me. If you will return to the store, we can talk about this. He paused for a moment. You will find that the ruffians are suitably frightened for now. Or, if you prefer, I will ensure that you return home safely and we can discuss this tomorrow. I didn't have it in me to walk home, even under the protection of Mr. Looper's creation. The idea of getting home this far past dark and paying that penalty warred with my hurt shoulder and possible concussion. They won. I'll come with you, but I don't think I can climb down. I'm still a little dizzy. My head wound, the adrenaline, and the notion that I was talking with a giant robot all came crashing down around me. My vision blurred for the second time that night, but I didn't feel myself hit the roof. A rushing noise covered the city's night sounds. This time, the breeze was cool on my face. When I fully came to, I was swaddled in an ancient afghan and cradled a mug of hot, fragrant tea in my hands. My hands were in turn held by that of my boss, Mr. Looper. He was a funny-looking little man. I was a good foot taller than him. Even then, I was tall for my age, and his head was ringed by a fringe of white, fine hair. Welcome back to the land of the living, my dear. I looked around the little room furnished with objects from another century. Warm woods and fabrics and earth tones dominated. Lace doilies covered every flat surface and the arms and backs of the couches and chairs. I'd never seen or heard him talk about a Mrs. Looper, but there was a picture of him with a woman, both a good deal younger than he was now. It had been taken somewhere snowy with nothing in the background. Both of them had immense smiles on their faces, and she looked to be holding a rifle of some sort, though it looked like one from really old science fiction movies. Thanks for... I stopped, still not sure what role he played in saving me. For your help. What was that thing on the roof? He patted my hands and then stood, not gaining much height in the process. Just a little helper I built. He looked to the picture. I'm not as spry as I used to be. I looked more closely at the 8 by 10 He had a bandolier across his chest filled with ammunition that looked fatter than shotgun shells. He also had an odd-looking set of goggles strapped to his forehead, like the night vision ones on television, but bulkier, more like the ones the Ghostbusters wore. I finished the tea, more for the warmth than the taste, and put the mug down. You built that? I've never seen anything like it. He looked and nodded at me. Most of my creations are unique. Building them is a a gift I was given. He moved to the chest of drawers that the picture was on. I stood and looked for a clock, suddenly remembering that I was long past due at home. Well, thanks again, Mr. Looper. I should really be getting on home now. He opened the top drawer and pulled out a box wrapped in plain brown paper. I called your father, Ms. Perez. He was alarmed, but I set his fears to rest. I told him that I would return you safely home later this evening. A tiny warning gong went off in my head. I didn't know for a fact that he had talked to Dad. He could be lying. I wasn't sure that he would be satisfied with someone else bringing me, even someone I had worked for for the last year. Mr. Looper was hardly a family friend, and while neither of my parents would admit it, the fact that he was white probably deepened their distrust. I trusted my gut, though. He sat the box down on the couch beside me and returned to his place directly across. 
I have a gift for you, Miss Perez. The warning gong got louder. They warned us kids about taking gifts from men, even those we knew somewhat. There were often strings attached. I glanced to the door, gauging how quickly I could leave, and if I could make it past him. Mr. Looper sighed deeply. I know, my child. I'm a strange little old man and am not to be trusted. I would say that this world has become a dark place where such things are questioned, but it was no different in my time. We just didn't talk about it. He gestured to the box. Unwrap it. It will not harm you, and neither will I. I will make no untoward demands of you. I looked at him, really examining him closely for the first time. I was young and likely more than a little naive, even for a kid with a dangerous amount of street smarts. And I don't mean dangerously broad or deep. Still, I saw something in his bearing and in his eyes that I hadn't noticed before, a core of steel that even now I don't expect from most people, let alone people of his age and stature. Here was a man used to being not just trusted, but entrusted. It probably explained why I had been less worried about him over the past year than I should have. I took the box in my lap and unwrapped it. The paper crinkled, the noise filling the room. I didn't know what to expect, but the plastic box wasn't it. I turned it over in my lap a few times, looking for a button to press or some other release. I didn't look up until I heard Mr. Looper's chuckle. It's not that sort of box, Miss Perez. I was given this by some friends of humanity from a very long way away. Rather than you unlocking the box, it unlocks you. I felt my eyebrows slowly crawl up my forehead. Look at it again, the way you looked at me a few moments ago. I did as I was told and noticed a blue light pulsing at the box's core. It gradually drew me in until my whole world was the light. I don't know how long I was there, but when I came back to myself, my butt was numb. I sat deeper in the cushions. My whole body felt heavier and at the same time lighter. I put the box back on the table and stood quickly, a little disturbed by the sensation and lost time. Clothes restricted the movement. The t-shirt I had on cleared my midriff by a good half inch and the belt holding my jeans up was not only not necessary, it had popped open. What did you do to me? My voice was an octave lower than it had been, but I didn't notice that right away. Looper sat, unruffled by my tone. Calm down, Miss Prez. You've not been harmed, and I haven't touched you. You are changed, certainly. I make you out to be a good two inches taller and some thirty pounds heavier. I looked down at my body again. When I saw the fine pattern of scales on my dark brown skin, I nearly freaked out and lost it completely. A part of my brain, one I think I inherited from my dad, calmed me. He was right. I was unharmed, but I had changed. The scales and size weren't all. Muscles rippled under my skin. My tongue roamed over the new row of needle-sharp teeth filling my mouth. What happened? Will I be like this forever? I flexed my fingers, marveling at the new inch-long black claws I now had. Mr. Looper shook his head. I don't think so. Close your eyes and find that light again. I did as I was told. The light filled my brain, and this time I felt the changes happen. It didn't hurt, but it wasn't comfortable. Teeth and nails retracted. My skin itched like crazy. I opened my eyes as the light faded not fifteen seconds later. I was back to myself again, though I was still a little larger than I had been. 
The transition will get easier. I had a friend in Germany who manifested like this. With him, it was black fur and membranous wings. He got to the point where he could jump off a building and change before he passed two floors. I started to ask what this was all about, but I already knew. The friends he had spoken of were aliens. They wanted to help us in the coming war. These were the gifts they had given us. I was given a speech before I touched the box, Miss Prez. I won't bother giving you the same speech. I've known you long enough to know that you are a young woman with character. Your parents have raised you properly, and more than that, there is something in you that reminds me of her. He nodded to the picture. When you have questions, we will find answers. If you would like, I will train you to use your new gifts. Some of it will come quite naturally, but I have little doubt we will uncover things that you don't know you can do. The fear that lingered, even with the knowledge, began to be replaced by excitement. I'd like that, Mr. Looper. He stood. Right now, I think you need to go home, Miss Perez, and get a good night's sleep. Go about your life as normally as you can, and keep this a secret if you are able. Some people will have to know, but you will find that keeping a low profile is beneficial. I nodded. Like a secret identity? I had read a few comics. He nodded slightly and chuckled. Perhaps nothing so dramatic, but if thinking of it like that helps you, then yes. What if I run into the dragons on the way home? There was a note of anticipation in my voice and a thrill at my core. I want you to remember what I said about a low profile and the character I know you have. He turned and walked to the chest of drawers. Just in case, though, I would like you to wear this. He opened a drawer and removed a thick leather strap. It was black and pebbled and far more supple than it looked. One edge had what looked like circuitry worked into it, but it curved as I slipped it around my wrist. I searched for a catch and whistled when it snapped closed automatically. Three silver nodes ran parallel to my arm along the top of the bracelet. Press one of those buttons if you get in a fix, making sure to point it at your attackers. It will immobilize them for a few minutes. There are only three charges, so use it wisely. It will inform me when you have to use it and where you are located. I will come to help you if I am able. I looked up at him and nodded. Thanks again, Mr. Looper. His grin was infectious. A pleasure, Ms. Prez. It has been too long since I've had a partner and student. Minutes later, and I was on the streets. I'd be home a lot later, and I knew Dad would be upset in spite of Mr. Looper's call. Still, I found myself hoping that I'd hear the whooping again. It would make me even later, but soon the boys would know that there was a new dragon in town, one to be feared and never underestimated again. Any writer will tell you that a good workshop can make the difference between a good story and a great one. Wouldn't it be great if you could workshop your story with some of the rock stars of new media? I mean, people like Nathan Lowell and J. Daniel Sawyer and Chuck Wendig. That would be amazing. You know, that would make an outstanding podcast. Oh, wait. It already is. Introducing the Roundtable Podcast, a weekly podcast where writers discuss their story ideas with some truly remarkable people. Weekly episodes start on Tuesday, March 6th, and will be available on iTunes and on the Roundtable Podcast website. Visit www.roundtablepodcast.com for more information. The Roundtable Podcast, literary alchemy, one podcast at a time.